0: Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Unfinished, for making this episode possible. Unfinished is a full-stack Webflow design and development agency that helps companies at the startup and enterprise level build creative and innovative websites. Thank you to RR and the whole team for supporting the podcast, and now let's get back to the episode.
1: Yeah, and you can go whenever you like.
2: Hey, uh, my name is Ben Parker, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I am a strategic technical architect at Webflow, and right now uh, I'm working on all kinds of fun things. Uh, I do a little bit of freelance. I take less projects a year than I used to, um, but uh, currently playing around a lot with DevLink um, that was announced at Webflow Conf, and building some fun things in preparation of more folks being able to get access to that tool
0: that's very exciting thank you so much
2: yeah (laughs) thanks for having me
0: i've been really excited to to chat with you and hang out with you and then the more research that i did on you um and learning more about you as a person i was really excited to to come and hang out
2: oh that's very kind of you i i really love your podcast and so i was like oh i get to go hang out with emily this is great so listen to your voice a lot uh but you know Uh it's always it's always different when you actually put like face with a a name and you can see somebody and get to chat with them. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that was kind of funny was when I went to the webflow conf, it was actually kind of funny because one guy came up to me and he said, I recognize you from your voice because I don't (laughs) I don't post photos of myself really, unless they're like the kid photos from the thumbnails that i've done on episodes by myself but yeah so this one guy came up to me we we're on a we were traveling as a group and he's like hey i know your voice <laughs> and I'm like, that's wild <laughs> it's
2: always weird isn't it it's like i remember showing up to the first uh webflow comp no code comp i guess the very yeah. first one in person and a couple people coming to me saying hey i really love the podcast and i was like somebody listens besides like the three people I know like that's really cool uh you know it never it never gets old it's really funny whenever you you have that experience
0: uh there are a whole bunch of like questions that I would love to ask but like b- before we get into that um there's somebody might be listening that uh, doesn't know what podcast you're talking about or like um uh that little piece of context
2: yeah we're, working, yeah, we're working on kind of restarting because we've taken a pretty long break. But I am on a podcast with Matt Varghese, who's the CEO of 8020, uh, and Lacey Kessler, um, uh, who has worked at Adalo on Webflow and is actually working on a no-code women's community right now. Uh, and we have a podcast called Visual Developers FM, um, and it's the Visual Developers podcast, so visualdev.fm if you want to go check it out.
0: Yeah, I've listened to a bunch of the episodes, too. So you've listened to me and I've listened to you.
2: (laughs) The first one is my fault. The second one, I'm going to blame. Like, any further listens after that, that's all on you. (laughs) After you heard the first one, you decided to keep listening. Like, I I won't take any blame for that. So
0: (laughs) another thing that I thought was funny when I first met Matt was all of his stuff about how Oklahoma City is the best city in the world. And how, like, he's, like, so adamant that, like, this is the greatest. Nothing will ever beat it. Like, I've been to New York.
3: eh.
0: (laughs) Uh, um, And so, I I wanted to talk to you about about growing up in Oklahoma and and, uh, um, just, what's that like?
2: uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So, it's a little town. I think it's... uh... well when i was growing up 1200 people was the population or something like that right like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people and my family uh it's like we probably grew up poor you know like my my mom made a lot of our clothes and like you know i remember when my dad built the house we lived in the middle of nowhere lived like lived on this creek and there was like no carpet in the house when we first moved in and i think we had a stove to warm it up but no air you know uh, and that sort of thing. And so uh I always feel I tell people when my parents are older and I grew up running around outside a lot. Um, you know, we lived like on this creek. So did a lot of fishing and I lived next to a church in a graveyard. Like we were military, middle- <laughs> that's the closest thing to us. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was a Cherokee church and a lot of the kids I went to school with went there. And so like they have church for forever. So like after a little while, the kids would inevitably come over, and we'd play like sandbox baseball or basketball or like whatever. Uh, so and it was one of those things. My parents would be like, "Get out of the house!" And <laughs> you know, we'll honk the horn when we want you to come back. Okay, great. Uh, and it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's a it's in a it's a childhood that I don't think a lot of people my age experienced.
0: When you said that phrase, like I think, when you were growing up, I don't know the the. I just caught that when when you said that like. I, we grew up this way I think
1: um yeah you
0: know I think it's hard I think people editorialize
2: a lot right and so like some of what you remember is real and some of it isn't you know what I mean like you're five years old you you know you have these memories of what things were like but you don't really know you know mm-hmm. uh and so but like yeah I I just think I mean I, when I was young like seven, eight, like I had my own, uh, you know, gun and like my friends and I, we would go camping for a week at a time or three or four days at a time. Nobody with us just kind of running around the woods, you know, just like whatever, uh, you know, and that's a pretty different experience or, you know, we going outside and running up and down a Creek, uh, with no supervision, diving (laughs) off things, jumping off things, you know all sorts of uh, stuff. You know experiencing wildlife and uh, you know <laughs> encounters with snakes and all kinds of things, bobcats and things that you probably you're you look back and you're like how did I live through all of that? Who knows? But like we made it. You know, or, or like when we went on vacation, my parents forget, like we went to San Antonio one time and they literally my dad had a pickup truck. They put like a a camper on the back and a mattress in there. Mm-hmm. And me and my brother and sister just crawled in back. And, like, we rode in the back of a pickup truck all the way to, like, San Antonio from Oklahoma and back. So Oh, my so, God. I mean, because back then, like, that was normal, right? Yeah. So, like, you think about, like, all the things that you did that were pretty dumb. And, like, the way you look at it now, like, when you were little, you had no clue. So, you, know, you just kind of have a different experience, I think, than—I definitely had a different experience, I think, than some people, so.
0: I used to— talk to some people and say some of my favorite people in life are the people who could um just like your your game or your your favorite thing to do was just outside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what do you like to do like oh um i know nintendo was fun and they're like oh i just like outside <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i like playing yes. sticks
2: <laughs> yeah. well i mean that, that was part of it. like i remember like i don't know we we ran around outside all the time, like hiking trails and running around in the woods and, you know, swimming a lot um, in in the creek and, and fishing and hunting for crawdads, like all kinds of things that, like, I don't think everybody my age was doing because they yeah. lived, like, closer to town or, like, whatever. They didn't have quite the same experience. And so, and I think, too, like, my parents being older, like, their childhood informed them. So it was like, hey, get out of the house, go do something. Like, I don't want you in here. Yeah. um which is you know it's funny to think about now like I don't think I've ever told my kids to get out of the house I don't want to you know not that I don't want to see you but it's like yeah. you know go do something uh and so it's definitely a, a different experience so
0: and uh what were your your siblings like growing up around that same age
2: yeah so I my My siblings are very spread out. My, when I was, my brother took off, left the house and left for college when I was not a year old, my oldest brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I had an older sister. I have another older sister who, again, like most of my time living with her, she was high school, college aged um, Mm -hmm. when I was really little. So, like, when I think of them, it's almost more like their aunts and uncles because I didn't spend as much time in the house. Then they're my brother and sister. It's not like, You know, it's and then I have a sister who's four four years older than me and a brother who's four years younger than me. Um, So I really was probably more like the middle child most of my life, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, but had fun. Um, My. You know, it's weird, I think growing up in the middle of nowhere, I had friends. So one of the one of the things we did get, my dad bought this four wheeler and we would like drive around on it constantly how we did not completely kill ourselves on that thing i, I have no idea but like uh, we rode it all the time right and it was uh a lot of fun uh and we do stuff like that outside you know whatever but i was really into sports my sister my brother not really so i had friends who lived close enough like half a mile mile that we would try to figure out ride bikes to each other's house or four wheelers or whatever and uh played all all kinds of basketball um you know baseball whatever we anything any sports like let's play it we'd figure out how we could do that right so um my my, my siblings didn't care for that as much, as much <laughs> my, so i had to sort of I had to sort of find other people to to enjoy those pastimes with but we just spend spent a lot of time like you know running up and down the creek or whatever
0: when you were a little kid what did you want to be when you grew up
2: Man, that is a great question. I still, I remember I was probably eight years old, maybe somewhere around there, nine. I remember falling wood with like my, so my, my dad has like a few brothers. And um, I think at one time in our little school district, there were like 20 some of us first cousins in the same school district, right? Like, oh, really high school to, to the elementary school. And Every Friday night everybody would get together, you know, all the time. So like you're always around all of these people. And I'm one of those people who that's not my thing. So I would always I literally walk through the woods at night back to my house by myself to like be <laughs> alone, like even <laughs> when I was little. But like uh I remember having the conversation with my uncles one time. We were like hauling wood, they were cutting trees, we're hauling wood. And my dad finished drywall for a living, and he made me go to work with him and learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. From, the, from the time i was younger and i just remember telling them i'm like i'm not doing this for like i was like i will sit behind a desk i will do some sort of office job i will not I'm not do this this is ridiculous I, this and is i got like one. like eight,
3: eight years
0: nine
2: old, right? yeah, yeah okay. eight nine i was like not not doing then no this is, a, this is a big no i don't want to do this um and i didn't know what i wanted to do and then when i got into middle school I, this is part of like being in a small town. I really wanted to, I wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted to be like a sports broadcaster. Um, I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. And basically everybody I talked to in my little town was like, you can't do that. That's not a real thing. Like you don't get to do that. I was like, Oh, okay. I, I'm young. I believe them. So I didn't do, I got to college and realized there's broadcasting degrees and I'm like, well, this is the pain of growing up in a little town, right? Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you're like, dang it. I kind of missed that opportunity. And uh, so you don't, you know, you don't pursue those sorts of things. But that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be Dan Patrick, um, you know, Stuart Scott. I wanted to be cool and talk about sports on TV is what I wanted to be. But yeah, that ship sailed pretty fast. So.
0: <laughs> and, and you kind of like saw that once you got to college and you're like oh wait, there's all these other options out there those the other careers
2: yes i think again that's part of i think it's part of growing up in a town so i think the weird part is like small town i don't know if i ever felt this is weird uh i i have led a really good life i can't complain about a lot right like uh, i grew up with a loving family of awesome people who looked after me and you know but I don't think I ever felt like I fit in <laughs> by, in mm-hmm. in my, you know, town, you know. In mean, high school, there was a group of, like, three or four of us who we weren't jocks. We weren't, you know, this. We weren't that. We didn't really fit in in any. There was just, like, a handful of us, and all of us were looking to get out of that place <laughs> as soon as we could, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a, it's one of those things where, uh, pre again, pre-internet, I think the internet was put in my school when I was a junior senior, senior, maybe junior Mm -hmm. year, junior year. And it was dial up. Of course you had to go to the library and you'd wait for forever for anything to (laughs) to happen. But, you know, there was just not as much information. And I think a lot of times you felt like because you came from like this little place, you know, there were no roads out for you. Right. You didn't have Mm -hmm. that opportunity. Uh, And so you're just like, all right, well, that's not for me, I guess. Uh, You know, and looking back, it's, it's funny my career is weird but there was a point in time where i was working in education Mm -hmm. and i was working at a school and i in that same town that i grew up in and you know i'd have kids tell me like but i can't do that and i'd be like you can't like Mm -hmm. here's how here's what like it's one of those things nobody told me this but yes this is absolutely a career like you can go do that there are all kinds i will find people who do it that you can talk to right it's like you can go do whatever it is you want to do. Do not sell yourself short. Um, and you know, try to like really, really, really place it in people's minds that I I, you know, came in contact with that, you know, you can go anywhere and go do anything. So
0: were those those students like uh um kids at the school that you worked at or like kids that you coached?
2: Yeah, I uh yeah, both. So mm-hmm uh coached basketball. that was fun, yeah. um, and it was a good time. and you know, I think people think about being a coach as it's all about like sports and X's and O's, and there's certainly a lot of that, but there's a lot of it that's just taking care of people and listening to folks and and trying to build relationships with them and understand them and uh, encourage them. and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a probably, the most of all the jobs i've ever had that's probably the most rewarding one
0: yeah what does it feel like to uh tell these kids like hey who says that you can't do xyz when that is what you were told at that age
2: uh yeah it hits it hits home because i think there's a lot of kids who they don't see they don't see a path out you know i think it's hard like if you grew up like the town i grew up in is um i think if people from there heard me talking it'd be like not true but, like, it's probably pretty – it's pretty impoverished, right? Like, there's a lot of folks who just don't have a lot. Now, there are people who who do well, and I think most people there, you know, they take care of themselves or whatever. It's not like, you know, they don't have anything. But, like, it's it's an impoverished area. And I think if you grow up in a place and with a family where not a lot of people have graduated from college and not a lot of people – a lot of people work more blue collar jobs or like whatever you that's what you know. Right. Mm. And so it's, the, this is what's available to me. And when anytime it's so funny, like even really smart people uh, who work blue collar jobs who have kids and they, you know, the kids say, I'm going to do this and be like, that's pie in the sky. You need to learn a trade or a skill.
3: Mm. And you
2: can lean on, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's, it's always interesting because there are a lot of folks who don't set a lot of stock in opportunities or in dreams or in, you know, trying something that nobody in your family has tried before doing something nobody in your family has done before. Uh, It can be, it can be tough. I think for some folks trying to figure out like, how do I navigate my way out of this place and go, go to this thing I really want to do, or I've been dreaming about. And I think too, like, there's a lot of times people it's like your family depends on you, right? Like you're you know you're a part of something this unit, and they really lean on you to to help or to play your role. And sometimes it's hard to leave because of that. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that kind of play a factor in those those situations
0: when you say maybe somebody from my hometown might disagree with the fact that i I say this, but like, I'm curious, there's this moment in a kid's life where, they kind of become self-aware where they realize, oh, maybe the the family that I'm in and the uh, way that I grew up isn't the way that everybody else in the world has grown up. So was there a, a moment for you that you realized or or like maybe like an age where you realized, um, hey, maybe like my exact personal life experience isn't the exact same as everybody else's? Because I've had that moment, too.
2: Yeah. Did you grow up in a small town, too?
0: I grew up in, uh, it, it sounds very small, it's called Orfield, Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and um, it's kind of like a like a suburb uh, outside of Philly. Yeah.
2: Okay. So I think you're exactly right. But I think like in a small town, there are people who don't ever have that realization,
3: right? Like, really? I like
2: think if you never, like, I know people who've never traveled outside the state of Oklahoma, right? It's like they don't, they've not experienced much outside of of the small communities and again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you haven't if you haven't lived outside this bubble that you're in mm-hmm. or ex- explored outside the bubble that you're in or um, experienced any other place, sometimes you it's hard to come to that realization, right? Like, and I think that's also what keeps people from like leaving and trying something new is because it's sort of scary, right? Uh, for me, when I was younger, I will say I did have the the opportunity to, like, do a little bit of traveling around the U.S. with my family, but also, like, with, like, conferences and different things uh, that I was involved in. And I think just getting out of Oklahoma and getting to see different cities and places inside the U.S. and meet people who aren't like me and aren't from communities like mine and to hear about their experiences really hit it with me where I was like, okay, you know, I think that's part of it. And I think I was probably, I don't know, from the, again, from the time I was young, I wanted to leave my town as soon as I could. Uh, but I think it was probably like when I was a freshman in high school, when a lot of it started to really hit with me. And then I think too, I like to read. And I think that was another part of it. Like being younger, reading lots of biographies, lots of books, being, you know, sort of obsessed with history and and really wanting to like dive into some of that content. You know, the more you read, the more you consume, the more you realize like there's a whole lot of things I have not experienced or considered. And like even hearing some of the things, like not even understanding how to imagine them. Right. Like, uh, and again, pre-internet. So it's not like you just go Google pictures of, You know Verdun in France, or like, and what that battlefield looked like, or whatever. Like, you know, it's like a trip to a library for an encyclopedia to like Mm -hmm. try to find the three images that are in there to understand, like, have some sort of view of like maybe what that was like. And so, yeah, that 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 part's kind of interesting to kind of navigate through. Uh, And when you say it, people like, yeah, why why didn't you just X Y and Z? You're like, no, no internet, and I had no clue of the broader world except for you know what I had read or maybe a few of my experiences but uh so I felt sort of naive uh when I left home but you know it's a fun experience anyway
0: you you, yeah I think you got to give yourself a little bit of grace of like what you don't know you don't know Somebody gave me that phrase once and it has given me like so much peace in my life of like (laughs) looking back on decisions that I've made or something like that. Like the phrase, uh, what you don't know, you don't know. And, uh, you did the best with the information that you had at the time.
2: Totally. And you just kind of fake it till you make it. And I think the other funny thing is like, I don't know, imposter syndrome and, and all of that, but people still, you know, they're like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of make it up as I go along. I don't, nobody, here's a secret. Nobody knows what they're doing. I should you just like mm-hmm. do your best and uh, you're going to be all right, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I think people put too much stock in uh, brand or creative personas over just like, be you, be authentic and do your thing.
0: I think what you said about um, uh, something being unknown and being the scary thing that ke- oh. keeps people from uh, having those new experiences or branching out—that's um, a real thing.
2: Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. and it's it can be generational. Like mm. you know, I don't try it. I don't give my kids or you know my own circle the ability to experience it. and It kind of like passes on, and everything kind of becomes like a, a safe place, and like this is what we know and a routine and. And then, you know, that it also like, I think, you know, talking about design work or, or, or web development, I've seen lots of friends and people I know who they want to go after a project, but they're like, I'm not going to bid on that because I I don't quite know what I would do with this and that. It's like, yeah, you gotta. I mean, sometimes you just got to just kind of swing for the fences and do it. Right. And say like, yes, I can accomplish that. And if you can't, there's someone out there who can, or you can contract, but like, Dive, go for it. You know, try things, do things, push yourself, get uncomfortable, uh, because it's really the only way you break down those barriers and try to understand. Like, oh, hey, actually, I'm qual- i am qualified to do. I can do this. Okay, so what else can't can I do that I don't know that I can do? And I think that that applies in a lot of areas of life where it, it people kind of get that stage fright or they freeze. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, I'll just stay where I'm at because this is comfortable. That's what mm-hmm. I know, you know. Uh, and that's comforting.
0: Yeah. Was, was there any moment where you had to give that advice to a student in your life?
2: Oh, yeah, many times, you know. I mean, yeah. I think when people are like, oh, you coached and, you know, you do, all, you do all kinds of things as a coach and it's a lot of fun and we won. Mm-hmm. Quite a few games, but like what they don't tell you about is like the call you get from some student at eight o'clock at night because their parents kicked them out of the house because they had an argument, and so now you're calling other parents trying to find some place for that kid to go, and you're trying to f- like find them like a burner cell phone and you know just anything you can to like get them one place to the other. So you have all kinds of conversations with with kids where. You know, your long bus drives will ask you all kinds of questions. Um, you know, and I think other times too, like I was pretty outspoken about like if I heard a kid say something that I thought was like that trap mentality, it's like, actually, it's not my conversation. I'm gonna interrupt you. That's not true. You can go, you know, you can mm-hmm. go do whatever it is you want. I remember my first year coaching, we had two kids who were seniors, and it was like a real, like, reframing for uh, for them in a lot of ways, and like how we approached the program and things we were doing. Like they were going to learn a lot of new things, and, you know, them being our leaders, we spent quite a bit of time with them as like a coaching staff, so like five, six of us with the two kids, um, and, you know, really trying to like impose that mentality. Like, no, we don't quit. Yes, we can do things. There's no goal we can't achieve. And, and really try not to get them to only understand that from, not just understand from a sports perspective, but like understand it from like a life perspective, right? Like, Oh, you want to account? Like you want, yeah, you can go do that. That's fine. Like you there, there's no opportunity you should be afraid of or challenge you should be afraid of. Right. Like, what's the worst that happens? You, it doesn't turn out exactly the way you want. Okay. You learn something and you're still, you can go try again. There's no, it's not, there's no three strikes you're out in life. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you, you can keep trying until you get what you want uh, and trying to help folks understand that. Right. I think is pretty important.
0: What was um, the last six months of high school like for you? Like you, you, you were telling me a bit about like I was really excited to like go. I was really excited to go to a new place. And the last six months of high school is such an interesting period of time for me because like that's when people are figuring out where they're going to go. There's a lot of uncertainty, mm-hmm. and also you're like leading up, ready to um, go and leave or enroll or start somewhere. What was that like for you?
2: Uh, confusing. Yeah. Um... I was lost, Uh, you know. I think I sort of knew what I wanted to do. In reality, I really didn't, Um, you know. And then I think, too, it is like, you know, when you think your entire life, I'm getting out of this town, right? And then you get to that moment where it's like, oh, this is happening. I guess I got to figure some things out, right? Like I've rubber meets the road. I also think it's weird. Like in a town I grew up in, like when I was a freshman, I remember I knew everybody in high school. I knew everybody's name, I knew their families, you know all that stuff. And then when you're a senior, you're, you don't know anybody. you're like, I know the people in my class and then like who are all these other people and there's like a lot happening. Uh, and so I don't know I think it felt rushed and confusing for me, you know like uh, oh, how am I gonna navigate myself through this through this next phase, you know, how am I going to do it? How am I going to make it happen? Um, you know, it's, there's all kinds of challenges that lay out in front of you. And so I think there's that, and then it's also stuck in a rush of like I was, um, student council president and some of those things. And so it's like also trying to like help wrap up a million things and, and get graduated and, and, you know, figure out, okay, how how am I actually going to get to where I want to go and all the planning that goes with it, uh, it's always pretty interesting. So,
0: mm-hmm. but, uh, that That's one thing that I thought was interesting about um, the difference between high school and college for me as well with uh, knowing everybody. And then like, not only do you know everybody from your own perspective, but from the family unit and also like your siblings, friends. And then if it's a smaller town, then you like really know everybody. You walk into grocery stores, you walk to your community pool or something like that. And yep. like everybody knows who you are. Um, and then when you go away to school all of a sudden like all of the the foundation for you is gone like yeah. clubs you were in gone like yep. people don't know who you are um yes. maybe and then and then the weird reverse culture shock when you come back to your town sometimes is like people grow up maybe people move away and then you go yeah. to those those uh community places and you recognize less people and you're like do I belong at school do I belong here I don't know
2: Oh, a hundred percent. And you get to school. I think it's weird. I think people don't like, you don't really think about it when you're younger and I guess, you know, capitalism culture, but like, you really do build a brand. And so like when growing up, like in a small town, people know who you are, they know what you do, they know, you know, at the core, who you are, they know who your parents are, you know, there's, there are no secrets in a small town. You know, you know, you go somewhere people, everybody knows that you drove from this side of town to the other because it took all of, you know, 75 seconds to get there and you know like there's you know there's one of those things like when you're in high school and then you go to college and nobody knows who you are and nobody cares and uh because everybody i think that's the funny part you know you go to college and everybody's obsessed with like am i cool do i fit in where's my place and what do these people think about me and the truth is i think all freshmen and a lot of college students are so deep into just figuring out who in the world am I and what am I doing here? Like, what am I majoring in? Do I want to do this for the rest of my life? I'm paying this much for what? Like, you know, nobody really is thinking much about you, (laughs) you know? And so it's, it is, it's hard to find, but I think for me, like college is when I sort of started to find my people. Um, and that was, that was fun, you know, Like, finally connecting with people who are somewhat like-minded and geek out about the same things that you geek out about and uh, love the same things you love, right? Because I think, like, especially for me growing up in a small town, like, again, there's one or two people who I could have those conversations with and get into college and having a whole group of people who it's like, you make that, you quote that show, you quote that movie, you make that joke, you quote that line from that book, and somebody like ah you know like (laughs) (laughs) you know i see what you did there you know and like having that sort of experience is uh it's pretty fun like honestly
0: yeah i um i don't know it 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 was really funny the thing that the thing that you said exactly was um in high school you you think oh you're just like trying to be cool like am i cool Do, do people like me things like that and then um in in college i remember looking back on that and I just re- remembered like how much energy that my friends and I would put into that and how much I realized once I left that none of that was real. Like none of that mattered. It was none just it. A- a wild. And then I would go back to the hometown and just look around and I'm like, nobody knows yet that this doesn't matter. How do I tell them? <laughs> and then I remember somebody asked me, like there were, there were a girl in high school or something like that. And they were asking me about college. And they said like, so like who's who's popular? Like like who and I, I said to them, I'm like, that concept doesn't exist. Like you just only know that you're friends from school. There's like you don't, don't really know everybody at the school. Like cops, the concept of popular just does not exist.
2: No, it's a completely different world, you know? And I think like yeah, in my high school, I don't know if I ever cared a whole lot we were so small there were 100 people in my class like everybody you knew everybody everybody was technically popular because there was nobody who wasn't known you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but still there is that obsession with like what do these people think about me and and you know and then you start working in the real world you realize nobody cares what that person thinks about you like it's about you and what do you think about yourself and what you know what can you do and who do you like? And as far as like, who are your kinds of people and are you finding your community? Are you fitting in or, or whatever? Um, But I like going to college and starting to have some of those experiences, you know, meeting people who are like-minded and, and just being, you know, dumb, doing the dumbest things and having lots of fun. And, you know, I I think in high school and middle school, it's like, I'm, you're always looking forward to the future. Like, let let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. Let me get out of here. Yeah. Which is so funny because no responsibility. I'd trade it, you know, now, any day of the week. like I have to pay bills. I don't have to do anything, you know. Uh, 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 but then, like, you get into college. I think college was, like, really one of the first times when it was, like, I wasn't looking past that moment at anything. You know what I mean? It's like, I kind of was like, whatever, right? I'm here. I'm going to have fun. This is fun. Uh, you know, I'm sort of thinking about my future. But really you know i rearranged a whole semester around a video game so like really you you do do dumb things when you're in college so Mm uh
1: you
0: know that's real it's really funny actually (laughs) (laughs) um Um, but i I was really curious about um uh in in high school in the years leading up to, to choosing where you wanted to go to school um what was the 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 path to choosing to study in ministry. I was really curious about that.
1: Yeah. I
2: grew up in the church and like the church was it, man. Like that was it. Like, you know, that was like most of your social life. Right. And, um, ended up not knowing what I could do, but knew I could do that. Um, and really felt, I think, there was a, there was a talk I heard one time, like, what's your great injustice? Like, what's your, what's your great motivator? And like, for me, it, it's, um, I hate, and loathe injustice. Like, I, I want to see people have a fair shot. I want to help. like I like taking care of people, helping people like, you know, like that's a the thing. So it was like, this is a way for me to like help people. And it ended up going uh into college to study theol like theology right like it was uh greek and arabic and like you know really old old testament and oh yeah hours with greek words on like index cards and these giant loops where you just like you know greek word on one side translation on the other and just like hours flipping through them you know like yeah um and as someone who like you grew up in church, your parents quoted the Bible at you. There is no easier thing to study. It was like, oh, I can, it's almost like cheating because I know all the answers to this already. Uh, I've read this a million times, you know, um, I've heard this a million times. And so I found the, <laughs> I found the challenge in school. Like there wasn't a lot of challenge in in, in that. um, And so, yeah, I, you know, I think young and religion is complicated right mm-hmm. um I think you grow up and it's like this is kind of what we do like you just kind of you know you, you go along and you believe it and then as you get older you know at least for me, I think people now talk about deconstructing I think I was doing that <laughs> just a couple of years out of college right like it, it was, for me, I had experiences in some of my first work, uh, professional. So, you know, my my professional career started in in ministry, and I had some experiences in those places where I was like, "This is not it," and this does not, the rhetoric does not match, you know, what we're actually doing in practice.
3: Can I ask and what a
0: deconstruction a means?
2: yeah just deconstructing your faith and looking at it and saying like what's real and mm. uh, and um what what makes sense and what what doesn't uh and for me uh you know a lot of what i saw in the church did not match up with what i read or studied all my life right i think
3: mm-hmm.
2: it was really quick for me even at a younger age to go like this done this does not line up this is yeah. you know, I read this and then I see somebody who taught me this in Sunday school and they do that. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> those those things do not align, right? Like yeah. uh I think that's it's hard to it's hard to keep going on a track when you're like, yeah, this is not it doesn't add up, you know.
0: Was it a bit of like uh these are rules for thee, but not for me? Like, do as I say, not as I do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, or just a a real disconnect between, Mm -hmm. in my world, or in my thinking, between the church and real life. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are a few things for me. Like, uh, you take even the translation of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Very misogynistic. Um, You know, as somebody who studied... Greek and Arabic and uh, you mm-hmm. know, you studied like the original text and you translate. like you have Greek Bibles and you go through and translate things and you're like, ah, that's it doesn't say he, it says they, right? Like, but Ooh. you know, your Bible says he, he must be, he must be, because they're like, Well, a woman can't lead because it says he, and it's like, no, in your dumb translated version, yes, but like in the original it says they, like that is that is not. That's not how that, you know, goes. And I think, too, like, for me, it was, uh, I don't want to slander anybody or, or talk bad about anything. But, like, working at a pretty good-sized church that was on a millions-of-dollar campus uh, and seeing how you spend money. Mm-hmm. But the lack of effort to help people who had none.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Like did not compute for me. Right. Like I was like, what, like, what are we, what are we doing? Like to me, the, 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 you spend millions of dollars to build a campus where people go two times a week and you pay all of these pastors. And I can say this cause I was one to spend all this time separated from people. They don't, they don't know what it's like to live. In the real world you know yeah. what i mean like i have to have a job and to, to deal with all these different pieces you know in my mind the church would have been a lot better if it's like hire a doctor who's retired hire a mechanic hire a psychologist hire a therapist um
1: mm-hmm. pay them
2: and let people go see that doctor at no charge let people go see that mechanic at no charge let people go like whatever like spend your money doing things that are going to help people right like and you'll have those facilities and you could use them to meet in, like, but really, if you look at the New Testament and what the church was, they worked together. They lived together. They did not separate themselves out in the way that our church in America has. It's like more us versus them. Um, and you know, there's a lot of judgmental attitudes in there that just don't connect or. Work with the way that I view the world. And so a lot of times I see the church taking attitudes and approaches that are very contradictory to what is taught in the Bible, you know? And uh, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And so for me, it's like I have a hard time even looking at that world and not feeling some sort of sadness or anger because, like, what are we doing, people? Mm-hmm. you know uh so lots of judgment but you know not enough i think you know they asked jesus like what's the greatest commandment it's like love you know love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul, right? like, second is this love your neighbor as yourself and like, mm-hmm. we like quick to throw stones at people but not quick to just like understand people. I think the second part of it for me was the church is very, um, in a lot of ways, it's more behavior modification than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the church is not comfortable with letting people find God on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, and they try to push God down people's throats and it's, there's a difference between living your life and showing people like a way of like kindness and love. Right. But the problem is like a lot of people who I know in that community don't embody that There they say things on social media that would, you know, make me blush. I'm like, how can you say these sorts of things, <laughs> and, you know? And then, uh, this, somebody comes into the church, they didn't grow up in the church and they're trying to find God and they do things to people like, no, we don't do that. Mm. You know, and they try to change their behavior instead of like pointing out maybe why this is maybe not such a good decision and letting that person figure that out on their own because they're not changing because of some relationship with God they're changing because you told them to change Mm -hmm. well as we know people don't it's hard to change and if it's not real change they don't change and then they go back to it and they feel like a failure they give up on religion and Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like this thing where people are trying to yeah if somebody comes in your church and they cuss a little bit or they whatever like you know what let them be man. Like they'll figure it out like you through example and through everybody else around you. And you'll find out that words are just words. It's not a big deal. But a lot of times people are not comfortable letting people be who they are and have that experience on their own. They try to make the experience happen for people and you're not God, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think there's also that part of it. It's like, yeah, that's tough. So
0: did did this feeling start for you? like in college while you were just deconstructing all these things and, and learning, or was it more really when you were having that, the real world, um, experiences post-college?
2: I think as soon as I started working in churches and heard what was said by staff and people who work there, I was like, what?
3: <laughs> are, we, yeah.
2: are we having this conversation right now? You know? And, and I don't want to disparage everybody. There's a lot of great people who go to church. There's a lot of great people yeah. who I'm, you know encountered and who are genuine and wonderful people but there's a lot of people who aren't Mm -hmm. and uh you know hide behind religion to do those things so
0: i think that that is like a really beautiful idea that you told me just a little bit ago like the idea of like hey if this is a community like like church with a big C um which is like a concept that I learned church with a big C versus church yeah, with a little yeah, C um right. whether it's like the building or like the, the community itself um uh the big C is the community itself if anybody
3: <laughs>
0: wants <laughs> to know that um uh just like the idea of okay so if, if we have a budget like what are we gonna do what what do people really need um and I think that's that's huge just yeah. giving people, um resources to go towards and a community to go to cuz like i i spent so much time uh, growing up in church like i grew up methodist um yeah. in in pennsylvania and Free Will Baptist. Um,
2: on this yeah, side yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah and uh and like i don't know so many things it was was such a it was like a community place like there would be we'd have like bible study on wednesdays we would have sunday school on sundays we'd have youth group on fridays um yeah all of this and so much of my social life was there like even even like the bible study on wednesdays we wouldn't really like talk about the the bible we would just like talk about life or like i have a problem and it was like an all-girls Bible study like okay so this is what's going on in my life I like I want somebody to talk to and it was such a community thing and I think that that's that's what it's it's about like having people to turn to like having people to hey um I don't know like I uh somebody in my family is sick and we need somebody to take care of the other younger kids and we need some like can you babysit and like just having people to connect to I think is so important because like I think just in in American culture at least so many of us move so often and a lot of people don't have that that family unit so i think a lot of people turn towards other t- types of communities to to fill that need that maybe we might have had like a couple generations before but now people it's it people's experiences are so much more individual
2: yeah there's a great i mean uh, there's a book i think it's called the need to belong and there's some psychology around this where, like, you you kind of need to belong in, like, your family unit and, like, a small group of friends. But you need to belong to something bigger and something kind of, like, like you need, like, and church did that for a lot of people. It's like, I belong to this big thing, but I have this, like, smaller group or medium-sized group. And then I have my, like a friend's and my family, and I belong in all of these different circles. Um, but I think with the way church has changed, there's a lot of younger people who don't feel that. And mm-hmm. don't do that. Uh, but then, two, I think with the advent of the digital world and the Internet, um, it has killed, like, and <laughs> this sounds also political, but that <laughs> plus capitalism, I mean, the only place that's really left to go is to go spend money somewhere, right? There are no, mm-hmm. think about, like, where are the community places to go hang out around you? Like, for me, in middle America, like, there are malls. They're mm-hmm. movie movie theaters, I guess. Um, you know, we have a few parks around, but like, where do you go, where do you go gather and just have a community of people you're around all the time? It's it's very rare. And some people are like, oh, I go to a we work, or I that's, you know, I don't actually work with those people, but I'm around those people, or I, you know, work at a coffee shop two days a week, and you know Gail and George behind the counter know me and they, you know, bought up great, right? But that's uh it's very rare that, again, I'm there to spend money and to be a consumer. I'm not there just to, like, sort of be as a human and, like, connect with people around me. And America is such a call car culture anyway. So it's like, you know, in a car to go here, in my car to go there, you don't really interact with people. And so mm-hmm. it's it's really a very – so it's weird trying to find that place, like, where can I go belong in some sort of meaningful way and have experiences with other people and connect with people who are like-minded Um, But, yeah, church was definitely that for a lot of people, Uh, I think. It definitely was for me because it was the same way. We were at church three times a week, four times a week, you know, like, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And sometimes an additional that, you know, you're, you're always there. You're always around people. It's where you made your friends, you know. And so and it's so funny that even like then. You know, you would have your sort of even your clique. So there's there's the you know, the Baptist and the Methodist and the, you know, and and whatever, uh, and the Lutheran and the, you know, and you know, you go to somebody else's church and they had different hymns or different, you know, mm-hmm. uh whatever, and you would just kind of be like, Oh, this is weird. Um, you know, I don't know, is this am I <laughs> this is this off? Can I do this? You know? um uh, yeah. and so it's it's just funny how even among churches like people were like pretty pretty split you know um or how like you could go in like a little town like the one i grew up and find like four or five baptist churches because people don't like each other and you're like mm. now what kind of example is that like what are we doing? Like, that is why wild. Is that well this church split why did this church split well so and so got into it with so-and-so and so like th- these people who and you're like oh my gosh what is what is happening like yeah uh you know, again, like what does this represent what are we doing yeah. here? Um, uh, because it seems sort of petty that we're all you know kind of letting these things like you don't have to let like everybody even, but surely you can at least go to the same place and sit around for an hour. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, I I think that's there was this one one guy who was uh, who was Catholic who was talking about like uh he was making a joke about the differences between uh um like different Protestants like from a like an outsider perspective and oh, uh he he said he's like oh my gosh like it's so ridiculous we all believe in the same thing pretty much it's so like hilarious he's like some people are like well um I think it's <laughs> just the way that he said the joke was like well I believe that Jesus held the cross here and I believe he held it just a little bit lower down his back totally different religion
3: <laughs> Like some
2: it's just true. so funny I'm, I'm Armenian <laughs> I'm Calvin this time like whatever, like, <laughs> you know, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, does this really matter? But like it, like it is funny how like people uh and like they draw those lines in the sand, and it's
3: yeah.
2: you know, and yeah, it's just such an experience. Um, yeah. like when I became a licensed minister, even like I was like you become licensed, you have a denomination that licenses you mm-hmm. it goes through this whole thing, right? And you have to take this test. And like, well, mine was these dumb things like do you go to the movies? And if you answered yes, you weren't getting licensed, right? Like, it's like, so like everybody lies on it because everybody goes to the movie. So they don't take the question off or like whatever, but you know, I grew up in a household where, uh, you know, it was fine or whatever, but like, I know people who grew up in households where, uh, um, like they couldn't play with cards because cards were used to gamble. Gambling's evil or like, uh, you couldn't use dice in games. They would draw numbers out of a hat because people use dice to gamble, right? like, People go to, like, really weird, like, there were were gas stations people wouldn't go shop at because they sold beer on Sundays or, like, whatever. Um, And it's like, we're not going to support that. (laughs) And you're just like, like, boy, we are really in the weeds here. I don't think, I don't really think God cares any about any of this, you know. Even as a kid, you were like, this all seems like we can't play Monopoly together. You know, (laughs) like, just go over and sit down and we'll play Monopoly, you know. Uh, pretty Pretty weird.
0: And, um, uh, and like no Harry Potter and things like that. Uh,
2: yeah, I know. I mean, Harry Potter wasn't out yet. I'm old. Uh, Um, for me, it was no Simpsons, no, you know, whatever, but I still watch The Simpsons, my parents, (laughs) you know, like, uh and they were they were pretty good but they're like a lot of you know i know a lot of people who and again no hate like on people's beliefs yeah. like it's what you believe like whatever like that's fine yeah. but like i remember as a kid it being shocking like where it's like oh like we can't just play a board game like i just want just want to play the i just want to play the board game you know yeah. like i promise it's okay and they'll be like no 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 I can't. you know <laughs> uh and so yeah like so you just kind of like you know that's some some of those things you know
0: when we were talking before about um uh having those moments where you realize maybe your experience isn't the exact same as everybody else in the world and like like coming into your own and uh being a little bit more self-aware i think that um uh my just exposure to other people's religions was like really important uh, for my early development because uh, one thing that at least i did it in my hometown which was pretty normal is like um if you're you're dating somebody um you you would get like invited to go to church with that person's family and oh, yeah. Um, yeah and this is like totally normal and some of my other friends are like what you would go on church dates i'm like yeah we would go yeah, with the church. family you would sit in the pew with them and everything and i got exposed to like an evangelical church uh non-denominational catholic um uh, a mormon church um like Mm -hmm. all of these different things and just looking around like oh okay so this is how we do communion oh this is all different and like the one that um that uh like learning about you stuck out to me was um uh, I, I dated a, a evangelical boy in high school who uh, was the sound guy for his church. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of sitting in the pew, we would sit in the sound booth. And when I saw your photos of like working the soundboard and everything like that, I'm like, Oh, I know what that's like. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. there
2: hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, like yeah. when I worked, I worked at this bigger church in Las Vegas and I was, mm-hmm. I think my title was visual arts pastor. So it was like anything visual kind of, was something that I owned or fell under my purview. So like lighting design and video production. And we did live IMAG video where we had like a television studio type cameras and like a video wow. switcher and shaders and chirons and like all the things. And I would film videos and produce, I'd produce film and produce two to three videos a week. And I would be doing graphic design on all of like the pieces and web development and like all these different things um, yeah, you kind of have to learn to be okay at everything or, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, and, but yeah, that was, you know, and like on Sunday we would have, um, and we'd have like a, a video crew and we'd have I'd have cameraman I'd be a director or I might be a cameraman. Like I have volunteer directors and like, we're all on clear comms, talking to each other, calling out the shots and, you know, uh, all the stuff. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So that sounds like a, uh, in my mind, like a clear transition for you, or like a clear. Um, okay, this is this is pushing you closer to the next chapter of your life.
2: Yeah, I think so. I started doing, I started doing web development. So in two thousand and one,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when I was in college at Christian University, they did their website in microsoft front page and i helped with that um, a little bit and then i got to playing with front page um and then i started playing with GeoCities, and then it was like blogger and uh, you know all the different pieces and my sister was taking a college class and she was she had to build a website and she was like uh <laughs> Really, leaving my sister hanging out to try. She was like, I don't know how to do this. If you'll do the assignment for me, I'll just give you the software. And it was like Dreamweaver Flash. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, um that's expensive. Oh, yeah. Dreamweaver Flash. Yeah. yeah. And um, what was it? And fireworks, macromedia fireworks, right? I thought I was, I wasn't even 20. Um, you know, and I got that software, and it was like then I started building things and when I went to Vegas and I was working doing that, and I was doing a lot of that work, I was still like doing side work, um you know building building sites and working on cool stuff, and we did you know freelance video stuff, and then I ended up moving back to Oklahoma, and I knew I didn't want to work in a church anymore
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I did some work as um. Doing video production for like a, a production studio, uh, all kinds of things, right? And in the problem is in film, in, uh, you know, one of the things they want you to do is like you have to like work your way up the ladder. It doesn't matter if you're talented, it doesn't matter, like whatever. So they want you to like work as a PA for like forever or work as, you know, whatever. They wanted me to go work filming Bassmasters. Um, and I was like, no, like, I'm gonna look for something else like I'm not
0: mm-hmm. really Bassmasters f- like fishing yes yeah like, okay. if
2: you're, on a, you're in a boat filming pro fisherman I'm like nah like <laughs> I've got better things to do with my time than than this because there were lots of cool things they did but I was like I I yeah. You know, I, at that point, like I had a family, like I was married, I had a daughter, you know, mm-hmm. uh, already. And it's like, I'm not spending my time running around at Bassmasters. And I think the hardest <laughs> part about film and like Oklahoma is like, you have to go, like you have to travel, like you have to get out of Oklahoma mm-hmm. to like, actually do a lot of it. And so that makes life pretty hard. So I ended up uh, getting hired one at my local school district, working in it and uh, ended up being director of, the technology there. Um and so like we had fourteen hundred devices on the network. We had, you know, five wow. campuses, all connected by fiber. We had our own servers. We had, you know, so like you kind of had to like, we had VoIP. So all of our all of our uh, phone and uh telephony was over was over the network. And so like you do all of that. And I think that really that really did start in Las Vegas because we did like all of our video was over like this was way back, and we were doing video over Cat Five, Cat, you know, um, and and like piping it all over the campus and doing all kinds of uh, fun, innovative things. And like, even when I was doing production in Vegas, like there were no real streaming services at the time, right? And like, we would have these services that were pretty polished, and they wanted to like put them on the web. And I spent so much time learning about video compression and compressing videos. Like mm-hmm. I was. Pretty good at it. I won't say I'm good at very much. I was good at that. And that was like, so you could actually play it on like a really slow, like if you were lucky, you had like a T one device or a T one line, right? Like, but otherwise, like you you had like dial up and it was like like you struggled to to get a good connection. And I I uh we had people overseas who wanted to watch. And so it was like I spent a lot of time dialing that in. And I think like living in that world and building more things for the web, it really kind of booked me. And then I started doing, when I was doing, working in school, I was still doing like word, custom WordPress theme development and stuff like that um, on the side. So yeah, really moved me to more technical career.
0: Yeah. What was it like moving from your hometown and then where you were at college to,
1: to Vegas? It was an adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when I went out, so my, <laughs> to apply
2: for the job. Like I applied, I sent, I put together, uh, I really need to dig this out at some point. I had a whole bunch of logos that I'd done and like web development work and stuff and videos that I made. So I had this, uh, interactive media resume, which is Mm -hmm. part of how I got like this interview. So essentially I, I sent them this, it was like, it looked like it was a DVD, right. And you could open it up and it had this booklet, like a CD would. Right. And I had done all of this cool art. It looked like album art. But it was all the different logos and things that I designed and, like, descriptions of it, right, where you would put lyrics. It was, like, descriptions of what I'd built and like I would built. Like, you would flip through. I custom designed it, printed it at, like, Kinko's or whatever on this nice glossy paper, stapled it, like, made it all into, like, a real book. It fit into that case. And then the DVD had videos that I had made. And then if you put it in a computer, it had, like, the low – because, you know, I built websites from scratch. I gave up everything and would code from scratch. and then you take all of your files and you upload it via FTP to like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I had them as local sites where you could click on them and open them up and look at them. And that's what got me my application. And so they flew me out and my wife and my daughter to Vegas. Wow. For like two or three days. And so we fly out know uh, we land and I land and like my wife, who's not like a big people person, uh, her and my daughter go off with these people. They don't even know to go hang out. You know for a little bit and they're like hey here's the camera we've got to go film this thing this is like the concept and before i got out there i think i had storyboarded a concept they're like what's your storyboard it is what we're shooting like this is the mm-hmm. location i'm like okay cool so really, like, hey, like hand- threw
0: you into the deep end
2: right into the deep end like, <laughs> here's,
0: here's the sound
2: here here's the camera it was this uh big panasonic uh that had all like all kinds of settings that i'd never touched ever on a camera uh, but and then they I filmed it all and then like we went to had dinner and then the next day I edited. like giving me this laptop that I think weighed a thousand pounds it was huge it was a huge Dell and I edited the video on this thing and put it together like motion graphics and everything but I was a Mac person and this was Windows everything was Premiere Pro and like whatever so I was like wow, having to translate on the fly like figure out I'd never touched Premiere Pro in my life you know um, and so trying to like make it all work. And uh I did though, and was there for one of their weekends and they played my video and I ran their setup, their entire setup and everything before they were in this big campus. And they were like, Yeah, we want to hire you. And they were taking me around to look at stuff, and it was like, I can't afford anything out here, right? You know, this is like during like the, the first right before the first housing bust. Mm-hmm. So like I knew people who had bought houses, like once I got there for like $250,000 and they were mm. worth eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars 900000 right? It's like, wow. on the salary you're paying me, I can't afford to live here. And so we were driving around and he was like, it was the guy who was hiring me. was like, the consensus really isn't going to work. I'm like, yeah, because like, you know, I mean, there is nothing that, you know, I can afford. And he went back and like got me more money and I ended up taking it. And like, we literally packed up everything into a truck, threw a bunch of stuff that we owned away in a dumpster. And just like drove across America. Uh, and our parents followed us, um, in one car. And, um, we got out there and we had no furniture because our stuff didn't show up when we did. And so, like, we slept on like an air mattress and whatever in our new little condo, terrified, didn't know anything about the city, didn't, you know, uh, but somehow we figured it out so and i like even when we were trying to like figure out where we're going to live like the person who hired me one of the coolest people ever i've ever met to this day chris coley shout out to you if you ever hear this uh he's just a phenomenal person he was like even he was like he's the he's the the absolute best at doing any sort of research and he was like i found you a deal and if he says i found you a deal he found you so he found this place that's <laughs> like, uber affordable and it was really sweet in this wonderful community Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, first night that we were there, helicopter swirling overhead, sirens all the time. And I was like, What are we doing? Uh just the experience. Yeah. I remember like calling the police because like I grew up in love, like, hey, what's what's going on? They're like, none of your business. Like it's you, you <laughs> need to do something, you know, boom, hang up the phone. And you're like, Okay, okay, all right, you know, uh so just it was a it was a it was a wild.
0: So you you heard like the like police sirens and stuff like that and you called them saying like hey what's going on i'd yeah, like to yeah. know i Small-time love that <laughs> Like you got like did you they, can do did that, that work back home oh Does sure that, oh and they tell you yeah they'd be like oh
2: this is happening in the area like there's an incident here like just you know stay oh. tight or like that has nothing to do with you don't worry about it like you know whatever you got information culture shock yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, where you're just like, is there any sort of information? Like again, pre-Facebook, right? Like there is nothing you could go
1: look at to uh, pre-Twitter, like you know.
3: Yeah. So yeah.
0: What is that like? Um, and, and just curious, like how how old was your daughter at that time?
1: Well, oh my gosh, she wasn't even five. Um yeah.
2: yeah, she was she was young, what three and a half, I think, when we when we left.
1: So
0: what is that like taking that leap of faith as like a young dad?
1: <laughs> stupid. That's so, that's so scary. Uh, like, I think. Why would you again, say stupid? Like looking back, yeah, you you've heard like the all the
2: advice, like you should have this much in the bank, and you should really be ready to like you know live like like we had nothing, right? Like we we just went. And so, like, if you look back, like, on a logical stence, it d- did not make a lot of sense. Um, but I'm one of those uh, folks who always figured out a way. We figured out a way, you know. Um, my wife and I figured out a way. We made it, we made it work. And it was, it was an adventure, right? Like, we weren't we're talking about going someplace where you don't, like, again, it's kind of like that going. To, you don't know anybody. Nobody knows you. You know, these are all very different people. And I think Vegas is such a melting pot, uh, and it's such a weird place anyway, because, like, you'll meet somebody, they'll be like, hey, I moved here from, you know, moved here from Atlanta, and I'm trying to figure my life out. You're like, you moved to Vegas to figure your life out? Like, yeah, just don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And then, like, four months later, like, I took a marketing job in Chicago. You're like, well— I guess, see, I just was getting to never see you, uh, I guess, maybe. I don't, you know, because, like, you haven't yeah. really had time to develop a good relationship. Everybody, It's very transitional in a lot of ways, like, yeah. people coming, people going, you know. Uh, and so, and just, like, with the weather and the way they build houses, like, they're not, again, not a lot of place for
1: community. So it's, it's very, it's a very different experience. But it was, like, it was fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like looking back on it, on it now, um, with, with all the information that you have now, it's it sounds to me like it was so important to the development of your 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 character and your your life and your career.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. It probably defined everything for me. You know, like it's one of those things where
2: some of the jobs I picked up, some of the projects I got to work on and some of the people I met, you know. It was, and I think work, I worked for, I worked in a creative industry um, and, you know, like if we weren't feeling inspired, it was like, hey, let's, we have to make all this art. Let's just go down to like the Bellagio. There's an Ansel Adams, you know, experience going on. We'll just like the, you know, the church will pay for it. We'll go through it. Let's see if we can get inspired. But let's go watch movies. Let's see if something like kind of moves you, you know. Like what what will kind of get your creative juices going? Like if you ever felt stuck. So those those sorts of experiences were really great. And I think it opened my eyes to a lot of different forms of art that I hadn't, you know, I had never experienced certainly. Right. Like, um, and I think just being around a lot of people who did like a lot of the people you know work in shows. Like one of the people I knew was in Second City on the on you know on the strip. And then, you know, you knew somebody else, like one of the people that um we had, they helped us with creative things. She was one of the lead dancers for Celine Dion on like in her show, you know, and you just, you get to meet these people and you kind of comes across all these different types of performers and again you know, art and all these things. And it really makes you stop and think like, Oh, Hey, like, what do I want to do? You know? And at the time, I don't do it as much anymore, but I used to write a lot. And, you know, you, I can be a lot of different things and you would see all of these different influences and you try to figure out what fits you. Like what and what's your skill set? Like what's my strength? What can I do? Um. So it's very, it's very important from that point. I think it was at that point, even though I'd been doing web development stuff, where I really figured out that like, you can make money doing this. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. if you you know what you're doing, like you can you can do things like with this, right?
1: And um, I had just enough technical knowledge to to kind of get in trouble and and to make things happen. Yeah.
0: I think it's so interesting that sometimes you can look back on your life and, and see um like the people that that came in and out of your life that exposed you to all of these different things and and showed you what careers were out there or different ways of approaching problems, whether it was a boss, whether it was somebody else. Um and I don't know, you you talking to me about like all of these different things and trying to see what would inspire you or like different ways to try to get you to get out of your comfort zone and and try different ways of solving the same problem at work um i think that that reminds me a lot of that
1: oh yeah i mean you just push yourself push yourself push and i think a lot of creative people grip it too tight right it's like
2: they try too hard Hmm. and it's like you have to remember like this is uh, it's as much magic as it is like science right like what we're doing uh for a living like you want to make great art and you want to be I don't know if it's possibly original, but like as original as you can, you kind of you can't force it. You can't sit down and say, like, I've got to get this done by X. Like I know timelines are like real or whatever, but if you don't leave any room to like breathe or to feel inspired, like mm-hmm. you're never gonna stand out. I don't that's just like kind of my personal. And I know some people who, like, they probably have stood out and they push it, I guess. But, like, at least for for myself, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, hey, yeah, maybe I'll watch a movie. Or, like, you know, if you have work to do and people are like, why are you watching a movie if you got to finish this project? I'm like, I don't know. Like, can't figure out how to lay out this, you know, five sections. And I can't figure out, like, how it works with their brand. I can't figure out how their brand and all these colors are going to work without it being a nightmare. You know, you're – any time to, like, puzzle it. You see things. You hear things. You – you know, get inspired yourself and like yeah, inspiration strikes like whenever you're sort of least you know chasing it. if you're not forcing it, you kind of let yourself breathe a little bit, right? And there are certain things I think when I feel uninspired, I always turn to you know there there are a few sources for me where it's like those are the wells that I go to time and time again
1: mm-hmm. to sort
2: of get myself moving,
1: you know, yeah,
0: like how you get a lot of your best ideas in the shower <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. when you're cooking or doing something monotonous, like just turning your brain off for a little bit. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah,
0: My my one friend used to describe it as like checking all of the emails that have just been like sitting in his brain. <laughs> He's like, That's I just true. have this. Yeah. When, when you're like all foggy because you have like, 30 mental emails in your brain he said that he would have just a little bit of time every morning before he checked his phone before he did anything just to like process okay i have to do this how am i gonna how am i gonna accomplish this thing i was upset with my friend about this what was the real reason i was upset was it because Mm. of what they said or is it because of something that i have going on by myself and he said like it just gave him a different kind of life experience to just not always be go, go, go all the time, just to have oh. some time to just take a step back.
2: A hundred percent. And I think it's that, and also like the problem of motivation, right? When work feels rote or forced or like whatever, mean it really, it can grind when you, right. Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, it's like Dave Grohl's talk at South by Southwest, you know, it was probably 10 years ago at
1: this point. Uh, if I want to get fired up to go make something, I'm gonna to listen to that, right? Like, there's a book called um, "Story" mm-hmm. that is a really phenomenal
2: read that I really love. Again, fires fires me up. There, are, you know, certain artists that I can listen to, or certain shows or movies that I can watch, or you know, uh, art that I can go back and look at it and go like yeah okay like like these are the things that sort of speak to me um and motivate me like help me realize that like yes part of what i'm doing is it is it's very regimented and it is very you know repeatable and it's there's some monotony to it but uh there's the work that i'm doing is unique and i'm telling a story and i'm i'm helping people tell their story um, and I'm going to tell it in the most creative way as I possibly can. Right. And so just trying to get that drive. So, on top of even like the unfocusing your brain, it's the motivating yourself to where it's like, this is not just another, you know, set of code. It's not just another set of code I'm writing. This is, this is like, I'm telling the story of somebody's business, this is their livelihood. This is something that, you know, they've really worked hard to create and to, to, um, to nurture. And, you know, I want to make sure that we're telling that story the right way and making sure that, you know, it comes across in the way that they want it to and that they're able to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And, you know, and yeah, there's a lot of things I have to like guardrails I have to fit in. but There's a lot of fun I can have with that too,
3: you know? Mm-hmm. So. that
0: that That's so that's such a gift to give somebody because a lot of people, they know how to run their business. They know what they do um, and they know how to provide for other people. But when it comes to like actually explaining or communicating what they do or who they are, it's so difficult to like know what you want to say, but not exactly have the words or not exactly have the visuals. It's so frustrating. So somebody giving you the gift of like being able to bridge that gap is so important.
2: Yeah, and it almost feels irresponsible when you're doing it. You know, like really. Yeah, yeah. At certain times, like I mean, when when the person who taught me, it'd be like, I've got three days to like shoot, edit, produce this video, motion graphics, everything, send it out. I'm on day one and I'm stuck, and it's like, hey, let's go catch a movie, in this morning, like, mm. there's this th- or let's go do this, and you're like, I should be. Worried. He's like, you got gotta get some insp- inspiration, gotta find some sort of visual fabric that you can like tie onto. you've got to find a way to like fill a little bit of something so that you can turn that idea into reality right mm-hmm. and so people are like well if you've got three days why just waste half of it like going to a movie and having this really great meal uh yeah good question why did I do that but like you come out of it like sort of you know if you see the right thing you watch the right movie or you go to the right museum or like whatever you you feel pretty great right it's like okay i sort of skipped out on work haha and uh you know uh and i I had some good food and i'm feeling pretty content and but i also like found all these pieces that like of this thing that i and i think part of it is to having enough objectivity to know like what kind of art you need to explore or experience you need to expose yourself to in order to sort of like make the thing that you're working on like real right and so some of it's like matching the the thing that you're going to go experience or watch like the mood or the feel, you know, sometimes feeling similar to what you're doing. And maybe sometimes it needs to be the opposite because like what you're doing is dark and you're like, Oh, everything about this project feels dark. I need some, <laughs> a little bit of like light in the middle of this, you know? And so I think it's trying to navigate those pieces and again, get yourself to this, uh, place to where okay I'm ready to go create. Like I had these plans in my head. It felt kind of jumbled. It felt really scattered. And now I kind of have given myself like some information and like a very clear vision for like what I want this to be. Um which is important.
0: Those those moments of being able to step out of the fog are so so nice.
2: <laughs> it's glorious, you know, and I think you know, I don't know if you've ever been through a creative slump. Mm. Um, I like to thank everybody who does this sort of work, has, But, like, there are some times you're like, I'm never going to create anything good ever again. Like, mm. this is it. Like, I peaked. Well, that was fun. What am I going to do for my next career? Because I'm stuck. Like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are times it can be pretty, like, overwhelming, right? And yeah. people look to you to, like, you know, they'll have some sort of idea. And you're like, oh, man. Well mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know. I don't know if yeah. I'm ever gonna have an idea ever again, you know, like you just kind of have that again, gripping it too tight, trying, you know it's like the the batter that's in a slump, trying so hard to get a hit like you just can't you, know, you need you know need to chew some bubble gum and think about you know anything else that's you know, you don't need to think about it, just do it, right? just get just get yourself to a place where you can like execute and you know on some and have some sort of a vision. Uh before I really I mean because when I was first starting, that was one of my problems. Like, and I remember working with Chris, he was really, really good at like he would ask me a million questions about what it is I was trying to do. And as I, I'd be like, No, that's not it. He's like, Well, it
1: sounds like you know what you wanted to be then. we're like, maybe I do, <laughs> you know,
2: and it's like, okay. And just like even having that conversation. Yeah. And I think one of the things that he did for me too was learn to edit yourself. And in mm-hmm. into, you know, like you would film this thing and it'd be nine minutes long. He's like, bro, we got three minutes. You mm-hmm. gotta cut six minutes. I'm like, there's no way we can cut six minutes from this. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, Okay, challenge accepted. And like we would go through and we'd cut and we'd cut and we'd cut and we'd cut and we'd cut, cut. And man, you would we would fight. We would fight about things that I like that has to stay to this that quote or that piece or that shot. It's gotta be in there. And then mm-hmm. him to be like. No, it's got to go. It's like, it's beautiful. You did great work. It means nothing to what we're doing, right? And you're just like, I think it's hard as a creator to have something that you really love that you're like, God, I worked hard to make this and it looks wonderful. And I don't think you understand all the challenges, the way I had to work the lights and what I had to do with the camera and how many times I had to shoot this and like all of these different pieces or how I had to wait two hours for the light to be perfect so I could get this, you know, like whatever.
3: Yeah.
2: And for somebody to be like, don't even need it. It tells, does nothing for the story. And you take it really personal. And I think working with him, I learned not to take it personal. Yep. And I learned to really like cut, 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 cut. And it really also went, you know, I like to play the drums and one of the people I learned from was always like the, the simplest thing that you play is the better one, right? Don't get complicated. And so it's always kind of, so it's kind of like i a theme through most of the work I do. Like, how can I,
1: how can I keep it simple and clean and and really focused on a story, right? Like I think that that's the important
2: part. and a lot of times people are like it's a website. It's not a story. I'm like, nah. it's a, like you're at the end of the day, you're selling a story. You're selling a story to somebody. Tell the story, and what is distracting from that story and taking away from it, and what's actually getting people to to like buy into the story or or read the story or believe the story, you have to like really focus your work and, Man, you can spend like you know, I'll I'll create something that I think is pretty cool and spend two days writing JavaScript and have all of this custom functionality and look at it and go, it doesn't nothing. This is not. I love the idea, but this does nothing for me. Cut it. You're like, well, I'll save it for now. Something right? So like, yeah. Really being able to like make yourself like edit, get rid of it. We don't need it. Um, it's a hard skill to learn. You know, I even find myself fighting internally with myself to make those changes now, where it's like, no, you really love that. You put a lot of work into it. It's really cool. Yeah, it, it's helping somebody sell more things or or get more people to believe in this or to buy into their cause or, like, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, not really.
0: It's such a lesson to learn of, like, uh, separating your personal identity from the work that you do and I feel like some people never reach that. And it's such a gift when you do.
1: Oh, it's probably one of the most freeing things, mm-hmm. you know, like, I know, like, if you look at my body of work,
2: people will be like, it's not the flashiest thing. I'm like, yeah, well, it's sort of on purpose, right? Like, I know some people get bored with like nav bar section, the hero section, call to action. Like, yes. That's true. Like, but guess what? It works. It converts, right? There's a, there's a pattern that people in the web are familiar with. They're familiar with it. And if you change it too much, people don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think like you can take different approaches for sure. It's like, if this is really more of an art piece than I'm, you know, trying to get like, great, like go wild, have all the fun that you want and really like shoot for the stars, make it happen. Right. Like you can do anything. Uh, But at the end, like, if you're trying to win awards side of the day, great, congratulations. But if you want people to, like, go down the happy path, click (laughs) your thing, join your group, buy your product, whatever, like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, a a lot of times it just doesn't, it doesn't do much, right? Um, And common patterns are common patterns for a reason. And you 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 really want people? You want to build things that convert, right? And so I think that was a fight I had with myself early on when I was like making custom WordPress themes, and I would like do all of this wild stuff, and then you know, or I would even like I do ActionScript and built stuff in Flash, and I built like these you know complex Flash pieces when people you know and looks cool, yeah, uh, does awesome stuff. But at the end of the day. You know, did it actually help? I don't think it helped anybody. It made me look cool. <laughs> like, but it didn't help anybody accomplish anything. And I think, you know, it's trying to, like, get... For me, it's always been, like, trying to get my work to that happy place to where it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe I don't have, like, the flashiest animation portfolio or this or that or the other. It's not from lack of
1: being able to or anything. It's just more around, like, you know, when I i work with customers. Like, I want to make sure that I'm
2: taking a sense of ownership of it. Like it, like it was, you know, it was mine. And I want to, you know, make sure that um, I'm, t- I'm responsible to them, you know, and making sure that I'm not putting them in a place where it's like, hey, this looks cool, but people can't click the thing or they're having trouble getting to the, to whatever, you know, um, I think it, in my, in my previous position when I was working uh, in, um,
1: this for this education nonprofit um, there was this there's this thing called uh, e-rate
3: mm-hmm.
1: and so the
2: federal government has all of this money in this pool and then they give it to schools based on uh, poverty levels whatever mm-hmm. And you're supposed to, originally it was meant for libraries and schools, and it was meant to connect them to the internet. It was meant to help pay for internet so you could have internet in communities, right, and network. Yep. And so schools could buy switches and, and network things and try to, like, get people online, right? And eventually it, it ballooned, and they were paying for, like, all these things. And one of the things they paid for was web hosting. And you're talking schools with 300 people paying $20,000 a year for web hosting, like, wild and they didn't care because if you had if 95% of your 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 you know student population hit the poverty rate and that meant that the federal government paid 95% of that bill you only paid 5% so you didn't care right like it's like it wasn't expensive to you well then there was a time when the federal government actually did something really smart and they said like hey we should quit paying for all these wasteful things like telephone and like web hosting let's just Let's focus on the internet and like networks. Cool. So when I was working at UPSRC, we had a bunch of schools come to us and they're like, hey, what are we gonna do? And I was like, Oh, what are you gonna do? Like, mm-hmm. you can't pay 20 grand a year. So, like I went and met with a couple of the website providers and talked to them. I was like, Hey, what are you? Do you gonna have some sort of special plan for these folks? Because they can't pay 20 grand a year. They're like, We think they can. I was like, mm. ah. I don't know, I just got them telling me that they can't. So, like, you know, I was like, "You're gonna do something?" They're like, "No, we're, you know, we're not gonna do anything." I was like, "Okay." And so, you know, I had some schools come to me. What are you gonna do? Well, we used like I have kind of a web development background, so I'm like, hey, "I'll I'll make your site." Like, we'll make you one. We'll we'll do something. So we came up with this website package, and like we went from like one site to like 120 sites in like 16 months or something. And
0: that's wild
2: we did all of this research where we talked to parents. We were like, what is it you're looking for when you get to the homepage? Like, what is it you want to click on? Like what, one mm-hmm. of the most important things to you we did at all these surveys and we took them all, all this user research. And then we started designing templates based off of it. Like mm-hmm. find a teacher, pay my cafeteria bill. Like, you know, like whatever, pay my lunch bill, like all these things, uh, able to search and find a teacher. And a lot of the sites at the time were not even really responsive. They were, it's funny. And so like we started building these sites. And what's what's funny is we noticed like other providers doing very similar things that we were doing after a while. And it was like, oh wow, it's hard to believe like just a couple of people helped kind of influence some of the design around. And like in that, you know, industry. it was pretty interesting. But at the end of the day, the sites weren't super flashy, but they were clean and good looking and they were accessible. And you know, you could use them on a mobile device. And you know, they didn't cost people a fortune. You know, I think we, we were backed by some donors. And so like, we were just charging like $150 a year or something like that it was wild. Like we were, but we, we sort of forced the market to not only change the product, but also sort of change like what they were charging. Like they had to come down, you know, to, to compete. Like they couldn't go as low as we were. And that was ridiculous for us to even be that low, but at the same time, like, you, you've you got to provide people some sort of option. And I just think it's funny how having like a really simple, clean site that just lets people do the things they want to do, like how much that makes an impact and how much it, you know, made people pretty happy with what they were doing because it's like, you know, one of those deals. And that's actually how I found Webflow was we were hand coding everything. And I was like, there's gotta be a quicker way to do this. And I found mm-hmm. Webflow. What,
0: what <laughs> like, was that moment like for you? Uh,
2: well, I found Macaw first. And Envision had bought it, and they were like, yeah, it's end of life. I was like, dang. And I was like, What's, what else is like Macaw? And I was searching, and I found Webflow. And I was like, all right, I've seen a lot of these. I'm not going to be impressed. <laughs> and the way it abstracts from the code and is, like, really a true abstraction, uh, game changer. I built a site, I think, within, like, two and a half hours or something like that, my first one. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, this is dumb. <laughs> uh, and so like, we got to the point where like, they didn't have a CMS yet. And we had our own CMS and we were hand coding a lot of these, but like we needed a tabs element. We'd use webflow, create the tabs element, like pull the pieces out of the webflow code that we needed to make it run, put it in our template. Bam. We had our own tabs element. We didn't have to code it. Great. You know, uh, we, we would do all kinds of things like that just so we could like build features faster without having to like build them from scratch. Because again, there were two of us for like all these a hundred some sites um, it really didn't didn't work very well, uh, but I think Webflow, like finding it for the first time, it was like a pretty magic moment for me, um, where I couldn't believe the product was the way it was. Like I really, like I was like, this is this doesn't seem real. It feels like cheating, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people I know who do WordPress development still they think it's cheating. You know, like, this is cheating. <laughs> that's fine. I'll build four sites. The time it takes you to build one, like that's, that's more business for me. I love it.
0: Yeah. Too bad.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with it. So, uh, but yeah, it it really was,
1: it was quite the moment. Yeah.
0: The, The thing that you're telling me about like working for a company where the, the product itself, like just gives people so much like autonomy and ability to do things that otherwise were really, really difficult. Um, that's, I, I feel that right now in, uh, in the job that I'm in, um, my, my first introduction to, to Zipcar was, um, just, uh, opening my eyes like, Oh my gosh, I, I have the ability to be able to go somewhere outside of yeah. my city. And like, I don't have to invest like thousands of dollars into a car and, uh, also go somewhere where, uh, like Uber, um might not be able to get me home and I might get stranded somewhere just like so like when, when you're talking about like the ability to to do these things that you weren't able to do before um that's definitely how I felt like the ability to like just have more autonomy in where I travel and what I get exposed to and maybe if I want to go see a show that's outside of the the city um just being able to go there um it just reminded me a lot of Of um, feeling proud to to work for a company that gives other people more options and and autonomy to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do.
2: It's pretty incredible. Like, so when I when I started working for Webflow, I I originally I made this website that was like I want to work at Webflow.io, right? Like, uh, and I built this site about how I want to work at Webflow Uh, in Waldo who used to work at at Webflow, who is an awesome human being and one of the greatest people, uh, saw it, and he shared it inside internally at Webflow. Mm -hmm. And I was, I remember specifically, I was out at lunch, uh, and uh, I was having a lunch, and I got a message that, or notification that Vlad was following me on Twitter. And fanboy, I was like, what? Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, I was like, Vlad followed me. Cool. And then, like, he DM'd me. And I was like, oh, my, he was like, hey, want to work here? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, you know. And so I think originally, yeah, you know, originally, like, Waldo was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm not qualified to work in tech, so I don't really know. Like, I, I, you know.
0: You're not. What do you mean?
2: uh, Yeah, you know, like you go to school for theology and you work in education and you, you know, all your web development stuff is like all self-taught you're like i don't know what happens at a software company like you know i mean i have some general ideas but like man you know and so like originally i met with mcguire mm-hmm. they were talking about like hiring like a designer and mm-hmm. uh having somebody come in and work on the education team but they were trying to figure out like order of operations they really needed producers and like editors and and you know to be able to pump out the content so they ended up hiring that role first and I remember Vlad saying, like, well, we'll figure it out or whatever. And Waldo was like, hey, I'll hire you tomorrow. Like, you know, you want to come work, work in the support, uh, on the support team? I was like, sure, you know? Uh, so I remember I went out and spent a week in San Francisco, in inter- like they would, it was like a kind of like a test run, right? Like a you would go out and spend a week working in the office and they would like kind of train you and you'd do some work and you got to meet people and you go have dinner with the team and, You Like I had dinner with Vlad and Waldo one night and then, you know, whatever you kind of get to meet people. And then they offered me a job and started in tech support. And I had been like director at school. i have been director at my previous role. And I was like, sweet, I'm just going to be an IC. Like no, you know, no responsibilities outside of just like do my job. Mm. And then I think I hadn't been there very long. And they were like, Hey, want to be a manager? And I was like, yeah uh yes you know uh and so
3: that was the best reaction <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, you know uh, it's not that i'm not any good at it it's just that you know i think when you've done it a lot and like i was kind of enjoying like my role right like uh, mm-hmm. i love the webflow product and i feel like i know a little bit about it and so i was really enjoying like being able to to help people. And those stories you're talking about, like reading support tickets and hearing from somebody who was an accountant or a truck driver or whatever. Like I lost my job. I started building websites and now I have my own, like I can't keep up with all the work and that like, gets changed my life. Like you hear stories like that all the, like all the time from people. And mm-hmm. it was, that is incredible. You know, you hear those sorts of things like where it like really gives people the ability to enter a world they didn't know that they and then like to see them grow and like have agencies with like people who work for them. And like, you know, it's, it's like a mind blowing experience. Um, yeah. And then from there, like Waldo kind of ended up, uh, leaving, I kind of ended up helping lead support for a while. And then, um, you know, after, after I was kind of leading, leading support, we hired a, it was part of like, while I was leading it, helping hire a new director and then we did that. And after, he got there he was awesome too um same spirit as well though just like great human and he was like what do you want to do and I was like eh, I don't know you know and I was really fortunate in that like he and vice president in my area and some folks were really kind with like you know here are a bunch of things that you could do you know uh and I ended up moving into this role I'm in now which is helping enterprise customers after they buy webflow Enterprise which is pretty fun you know i you get really challenging questions and
3: mm-hmm.
2: problems that you're trying to solve for people and you know helping trying to help people understand the value the Webflow brings and and how it can sort of change things for their team and and really kind of uh, help them like iterate and move at speed and like all these different pieces and trying to help people understand who like maybe haven't spent as much time on the tool like all those little Things that, you know, people who are Webflow experts and might be listening, they're like, yeah, when I start a project, I know, like, I start with my design system, and I do all of these things, and I'm thinking about this, you know, trying to really teach people how to, like, kind of build in that scalable way and be thinking about the product in a way that you would think about it. And so, it's a it's a pretty fun gig, you know? I mean, it's pretty unique, and uh, and again, I think... Even after being at Webflow, I've been there over four years. Even after being there all that time, and I think when I started, there were like 80 of us, and now there's like 600 some or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see things that pop up where I'm like, I've never seen that before. That's interesting. Uh, you know, and or I've never heard that before. That's That's wild. Okay, like, let's figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of the work is pretty challenging and fun and rewarding. You know, it always kind of keeps you moving, uh, which is good.
0: One thing that I've I've heard you say in a um a podcast before was talking about enterprise clients and talking about those teams and how um there is for some people this draw to um, uh, maybe I'm I'm butchering how you phrased it, but like for some people there's this draw to like to be needed um to to. Uh, make all of these systems and then like you're the person of contact you're the person that needs to update all these things um but how important it is for for these teams like just just to keep them in mind that they need to be autonomous like they like, the autonomous that they they need to be independent um they need to you need to create an environment you need to create a system for them to be able to make all of these things changes independently and i think that that's a A huge personality indicator i think for people who build things just keeping other people in mind um and just i don't know not being so um uh i i tied with your identity with your work like saying like i need to be needed um but rather i'm going to create something great and these other people who are also great and capable are going to take it on and i'm here if they need me but if I create this and it's a good job and they don't need me, that's me doing my job. That's what I got from that that episode.
2: A hundred percent. I mean, for <laughs> me, it's It's like I work with brilliant people. I don't need to have all the answers, you know? Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I work with really smart people for a reason, you know? Like, uh, you know, there are people inside of Webflow who, if they heard this, they'd be like, oh, Ben DMs me all the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like... You know, I'm hit, I'm hitting people up and Dylan and Dustin and all kinds of folks like asking questions and trying to learn and like you ever seen this before? Hey, what if what if X happened or like what if you know
1: you're you're just trying to like figure out how to swim in this world? So like you, you never you never wanna at
2: least I've always tried to never go into someplace feeling like I'm the linchpin and I have all the answers, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't ever want to I don't, I never want to assume I'm the smartest person in the room. I never want to, you know, cause I'm probably not. And that's, you know, that's okay. You know, it's okay for other people to be really good. I think maybe it comes from like a background of playing sports all my life, but like you want really good people around you, right? Or else like you have to be on all the time and you have to be ready to execute all the time and you have to be ready to carry the weight all the time. And you can't, no human can do, Like you know, just I don't care who you are. Like you will fold, right? Like there are days when you just can't, you don't want to. And that's just part of being human and having people around you is wonderful. Like I remember when I started at Webflow, my second week at Webflow, we went to England. um, I saw that.
0: I was wondering about that
2: wild so like <laughs> like even when i got hired waldo was like get your passport in a second We, we you're here we're like we're going I'm like okay so uh we go to england for the soft side and we sit down to like work together and like it's outside of my like test week and my first week i sit at my computer getting my my bearings i'm like okay and they're like you know we kind of expect everybody here to do like 20 tickets a day i'll never forget that that was like i was like Well, fire me now, Uh, because there ain't no way I'm doing twenty. Like I'm looking at these tickets, uh, you know. I and I was like, I'm pretty, pretty savvy with the Webflow tool there, and I'm struggling, you know, like to, uh, you know. And I think it's, it it's like it doesn't matter, right? Like it, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort to kind of get to a place, and then you want great people around you. I'll never forget, like you know, like having like Micah and Dave and, uh, you know, all the amazing P- Amy and all the people around me at Webflow who like Brando and Andrew, who I could just kind of be like, what, what's, what, what is this? Like, you know, then explain to me like, Oh, and I, I'll never forget. Like it was a few weeks later, I was doing 50 tickets a day and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, okay, I can do this, but like, it's getting your bearings and being able to like put yourself in a place where I've got to act like, I don't know anything. Right. Like, I can't come in and be like, I know Webflow, so I'm going to be good at this. i got to come in and be like, all right, I know nothing, basically. Uh, Who are the people in the room who know the things? I want to be like them, and I'm going to watch them, and I'm going to learn from them, and I'm going to, you know, as much as they're willing to tell me things, I'm going to learn from them. And there's one person on the support team, Dave, Viking Dave. um, Viking Dave? Yeah, he's in the forums, and he is... If you if, if you are a Webflow community person and you've been on the forum, you know Dave. Dave is <laughs> And he's been around a really long time, like seven, eight years maybe. Um, he, he And I'll never forget, we sat down in that room, and he puts on this headset. And we're all working. Like everybody's kind of working quietly in queue, right? He puts on this headset, and he is, like, going to town on this keyboard and, like, dictating things. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like who, who is this guy? Like what is yeah. happening? I just remember like stopping and watching and like guy can put out 180 tickets in a day. Like he's a machine. Like I've never seen anybody work like him. Like it's in his level of knowledge of the tool, his level of the knowledge of the process, his even workflows. Like he's got this mic, he talks into it. It types all the things he's doing. All It's wild. And he is incredible right and like i just remember sitting in that room being like oh my gosh like if that's the bar i don't know if i'll ever get there (laughs) you know like it's it's like he was a drummer he's doing 70 things at once i'm like i don't even know how he's focusing on the but he was like there's so many people on that team who are that way and i think the other thing that was really special about it it still is special about what was just for me it's like the empathy from the teammates and the caring for one another and the caring for the community and the customer um you know so on top of all of that knowledge in every encounter i had with a teammate where i'm like how do i do this and it would always like there's a technical aspect they would be teaching me this process but they'd be also be like hey and remember like this is really tough for the customer because of x so like if there's mm-hmm. credit we can give them or if there's like let's make sure and mention this and let them know like hey we 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 get it and we're here for them and like it was those sorts of things that I don't think anybody ever left behind or forgot about in every interaction, you know,
1: um, it, it, uh, it was quite the experience. Um, but had a good group of people to really learn from. I feel like
0: it must really suck for some people in life who are just not capable of asking the better tennis player to play with them. Yeah. like you know what I'm trying to
2: say yeah Oh, listen, yeah. like in middle school I couldn't run down the court without tripping over the lines on the floor like you know what I mean And like how you get better you play like I would play one-on-one against people who are better than me all the time
3: mm-hmm.
2: I would get my rear end handed to me you know it's like that was just like part of it and then you know I started to get like the more you do it the better you get at it the more like and you'd watch people do things and you're like, oh, that's a fun trick. I don't I want to do that. And then you'd sit like, I'd work in the sense my own basketball court to be in the gym for hours trying to do that thing. Like I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be able to do that, you know? And I don't know, like even I've been developing since 2001. That's dumb to say. And I still like, I don't know. Like if I go into a room and somebody's talking about development, I'm going to be like, oh, well, <laughs> oh, they know that I don't. You know what I mean? Because I want to learn That's the tricks.
0: Wonderful, yeah. And,
2: and, and because you know, technology changes, and you know, like you have to, you have to put yourself in a place to. And I think it's also probably a, a it's a byproduct of working with people who have encouraged questions and working like a webflow, a place where questions are encouraged. Like there, no one's. If you ask a question, webflow, no one's going to be like, okay, stupid. First of all, you know, like that just that does not exist. They're gonna be like, great question. Uh, you know, this, this, X, Y, and Z. People genuinely want to help you. And you're like, all right, I learned a million things from this like little encounter. I'm gonna go like internalize all this and figure out like how I can incorporate that into what I'm doing and into and not only I think a big part of like how our team worked always was like not just how this helps me, but how can I how can I this into a place where it helps other people right like how can how can we like spread the love here to like make everybody's job a little bit easier so i think that's the those are the pieces you know
0: with different generations of the internet it just keeps on making it easier for the next one like the amount of youtube videos that that i've been able to use khan academy like all of these different things it's just it's just wild i just inherit so much of other people's work And Mm. I'm never going to be able to thank these people because I don't know them, but like, it's, it's a real thing that you said, just like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe I asked this question and now I have an answer to it, but, um, uh, how other people are going to ask this question later on. Like, I'm not so special that, um, like I have such an individual experience. Other people are going to have this. Yeah.
2: That is so it, you know, (laughs) I, I, you know, that's what, it's one of the things like when you're young, at least my generation, you're not special. And it's like, um, maybe I'm not, you know, like you, you like, you're like, actually I, you know, I'm unique or whatever. It's not like I'm terrible. Nobody meant anything bad about it, but it's just like, yes, I mean, it's, that's what they were trying to tell me. Like, you're feeling the same thing that other people feel. If you have that question, other people have that question. And I don't know, I've always tried to be the question asker anyway, because like, if I ask the question maybe five other people don't have to ask that question who are scared to ask it. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to reveal that I know nothing, uh, you know, question, right? Like, let me, let me ask this question and see if you can like guide me in the right direction. Right. I think it's, it's important to, to, uh, to be self-aware enough to know that, you know, and like even when you know how to do something, I think you have to kind of admit that like there, are, especially web development, there are a million ways to do this one thing like you 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 can approach this problem 20 different ways you know okay i solved it but somebody else might come back and say yeah i solved it doing x and you're like oh, that's more efficient and better i'm going to do that from now on you know what i mean like uh, and you know as you see like the advent of all these new technologies and like edge computing and you know lambda from aws and cloudflare workers and all these different things where you're like oh man you can do all kinds of like really fun, complicated, interesting things and do it in this really wonderful, beautiful way, you know, or like DevLink and like, you know, I've written React and then you play with DevLink and it spits out these components and you're like, what in the world is like, what? You know, so it's just those sorts of things where, you know, there's always something to learn and there's always something to like, you
1: know. And I think too, is like,
2: Always wanting to be able to prove yourself too, like having that hunger of like, yeah, I haven't arrived.
1: You know mm-hmm. uh, it's important. So
3: yeah, I don't
0: know. me I feel like, um and and this is one of the last things uh, I'll say before we start wrapping up. but um, I think that that experience, at least with with developers or people that are going through that kind of problem solving, I think that that really translates into other parts of your life, and I I get along so well with like this type of person, or I admire this type of person so much because I just feel like they're very open and they don't think that there's one way of doing everything, and that kind of bleeds into other parts of their life, and they're just easy to talk to. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's hard working with people who I, I've worked with those people in the past where you're like, oh, so like the point is to do X. Yeah, okay, well I'm going to do it by doing Y, and they're like, no, you got to do Z, and you're like, well, I don't know how to do it that. You know, I can't really do it that way very well. I'm like much slower. Like, don't no, do it with Z, and you're like, oh, man, this is like this is not even your thing anymore. It's my thing now. Like, why do I have to do it? You're like, why don't you know? Like, what what's what happened here? And I I think. Man, I think I had an experience with with one of those people in right out of high school where I was like, okay, I just remember that being the one lesson that I learned real quick. Don't be that person. I was like, should not be the person who's like, my way is the only way. It's like, no, uh, it's not. It's not the only way. There are lots of ways to to come at a problem, uh, and don't force people to think in your mental model. You know?
0: Yeah. Even even just um like neutral curiosity of like, well, why do you think that, or um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just rather than just shutting somebody down, it's so silly,
1: yeah, it really
2: again, I think people just don't like change, or there's again, fear the unknown, like right, like, oh, I've got like that person has to learn your way,, uh, yeah. and they don't know it, you know, it's like I waste a lot of time in languages that are dead now, I guess, like. .NET and PHP and, you know, things, right? and uh, But at the time, we're pretty groundbreaking. And, you know, you'd have somebody who didn't know those things and you'd be showing them, like, like no, 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 no. Like, we're going to do it this way. And, you know, we wrote a Java applet and, like, like okay, that's great. Uh, you know, we can just do all this in PHP and just clean it up real quick and do the same thing. It's a lot cleaner, a lot easier. You know, use the Java applet. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, you know, it's why they didn't want to learn PHP, you know, right? And, it's like, and that's where, like, anytime, like, I see new languages or new opportunities, I'm like, I want to learn that even if I don't become proficient and use it, I want to know enough about it to know how it works and understand it uh, so that, you know, if it comes across my plate, I can speak halfway intelligently about it, but I can understand why the value that you're proposing and why, like, you know, you want to use this and and be really open to it uh, because otherwise, ugh, you know, again, I just don't want to be that person who's like, actually, my way is the best way. And this is why we're going to, you know, I don't, I yeah. never, I don't like that approach. So
0: I think that that that's a valuable thing to have in a coworker, in a friend, in a, in a parent. I think just having that attitude is so important. And um, I don't know, I, we just did two hours. Does it feel like two hours?
2: It really does. <laughs> I don't
0: know, it's, it's they fly by so quickly and it, I I'm so grateful for this time that I get to spend with people because it's such a unique thing to just really get to know you for for 2 hours completely yeah. uninterrupted.
2: Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad you invited me to do this. I really um I really enjoyed it. It's it's almost a therapeutic experience. Really? I you know, feel like I made a new friend too. So
0: Thank you. I, I I feel like I did too. Oh, I, good. I I got so much energy that that I've gotten um from from Waldo actually before. Like a lot <laughs> of the same like like uh, like ray of sunshine kind, uh, personality. I I got that from you. And so just sitting here, I was like, I'm so content.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not as I'm not as cool as Waldo though. So Wal, Waldo's pretty awesome. Uh, just so so wonderful and i think you know like even like a lot like i'll never forget like when i went out to san francisco and did my like trial week at webflow i remember like calling back home and then being like how's it going i'm like i think this is a cult everybody's <laughs> really nice like you know like <laughs> yeah. where are the assholes at you know what i mean like that's yeah. i really was wondering like where are all the mean people at because there gotta be mean people and it's not like nobody at Webflow has ever made, and nobody at Webflow ever disagrees and nobody, you know, but like I've never worked someplace where so many people are like rolling the same direction and really kind towards one another. I mean, even like being able to like ping flat and ask a question, like a a candid question, like, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z and not be completely dismissed, but like, can be like, Oh, you know, I, I didn't think of it that way. Or I didn't, you know, I didn't know that that was reality or whatever. Like, how can I help? Or like, what can I do? Or, you know, or, Hey, thanks for the feedback, you know? And, and um, even if like, they don't take your feedback and, and go your direction, but just being willing to listen because so many places like I've been where as soon as you voice any sort of critical feedback, it's like, Oh, don't trust Ben anymore. He's not a team player. He said something critical. Right. Whereas like at Webflow, they're like, Oh, you know, that's good points. Or I loved hearing your perspective. And like, here's where I disagree, but here's where I agree with you. And like, you know, and like we're all still okay with each other and get along and, and that sort of thing. And I really uh, am a big believer in the culture that was set from the beginning. I think that starts with like Vlad and Sergey and Bryant. And I think, you know, the people they hired and folks like Waldo and um, Leonard and engineering and some of those people who are just phenomenal people and uh, a lot of people who are still there who are phenomenal people and, uh, you know, them hiring people who they think would be a good reflection of that culture and continue to sort of, instead of hiring at speed for just anybody hiring the right people, it makes a difference, you know? Um, So pretty fun. It's fun to work in a place where people are collaborative and open and listening, you know, and, and uh, willing to be honest with you and, and, uh, and work with you, you know, it's, it's not an experience I've had in a lot of places. You know, yeah. like, I feel like I'm a pretty efficient person, and I've had bosses who are like, well, you're not efficient enough, right? Like, you know, we don't need to hire more people. You need to do more with your time. But, like, Ugh. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, I'm outworking, uh, like, all these other people, not only like is a contest, but I'm, I'm, like, hustling over here, right? And Yeah. Uh, but then, like, being someplace like this where it's like, man, like, we really need help. And they're like, yeah, you do. You know, it's like, oh, cool. What? this is cool yeah. like i never <laughs> this, this is a new experience uh i love i love that so you know i think just having that sort of culture and that kindness and that
1: um it's a grounded you know uh feeling um it's pretty special you know so i won't claim it as mine i think it's you know i think it's really about
2: uh, something a lot more than me and a lot more than than one person. There's a really large collective group of amazing people at that company who were before me
1: and are here now and come after me who you know make Webflow what it is, right? So more of a collective thing
0: it It was a um a collective thing that that was there before you, but it's you definitely contribute to it. and you definitely like feel it when you're there. That's what it means. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, it's fun,
1: you know? Yeah. So uh but it's one of those things where it's like, I just I don't want to feel like I've got a corner on kindness or anything like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I think it's important for
2: it's important it's like you just never know where somebody is in life, right? It's like Yeah. Be cool to people around you, you know, like there's no no reason to go calling folks out or 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 whatever or or ripping on people. I think we all have our moments, not like I've never done it, but I try not to because you know I've been on the other end of it too, you know. And so uh and I think the older you get, the more you realize, like, nah, I don't know anything. And <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh you get old enough to realize there are a lot of, you know, I think I realized from the beginning like I grew up at like in that little town I grew up in. There were a lot of like people who were genius level around me, like mm-hmm. MacArthur, Grant's, you know, like people who were freaking genius. And so, I don't know. I think that from the beginning, that always sort of humbled me. Like there are a lot of smart people in the world. <laughs> know your place. Mm-hmm. Don't talk all the time, and really <laughs> listen. You know.
3: So,
0: I think that's a good attitude to have a lot of the time. Just like be just just humility. Just be humble um and and you don't know what you're walking into until you ask and you get more information
2: <laughs> well my dad used to always tell me and I don't know where he got it from but like you have two ears and one mouth so listen twice as much as you talk you know, it, was like, <laughs> it was like one of his he told me that all the time all the time
0: yeah.
2: and so the older I get the more I appreciate that bit of wisdom you know
0: when you talk about where you are now and you talk about like the people that you work with and everything like that I'm thinking back to earlier versions of you where there were these moments of like uncertainty and these were these unknown things and moving someplace that you'd never been and places where maybe you don't know what your career is going to look like five years from then or something like that. Um, if if somebody's listening that that is in one of those kind of uncertain moments or unknown or maybe they're changing things in their career or things like that. Um, is there anything that you would say to somebody who's feeling like they can really relate to these points along your life?
1: You matter. You're important. You can do it, right? It's like uh, if someone from Podunk,
2: Oklahoma, who didn't know anything, you think, can end up in a spot like me, Like you can do it too, right? I think... It's just believe in yourself, and I think you said this right. But like, give yourself some grace, and and give yourself some space to figure it out. I think when you're young, you the younger you are, the more you take failure personally into heart, and the earlier you are in a career journey, it's so funny. People like start something new. And they're like, I'm going to be great at this, and then they figure out like, oh, this is a multifaceted, really complicated endeavor. I've just started Mm -hmm. i don't know if i can do this you know and you can right i think it's just surround yourself with people who are smart take on things that feel like a little above your level but know where your resources are be willing to contract people learn from the people you contract from you know uh go spot people who are successful send them a dm uh you know it is worth sending those dms and figuring out if somebody's willing to be a friend or a mentor to you or be a sounding board. Sometimes I mean, there, there's all sorts of places you can go, and people. I think, especially in like the Webflow community, who are so willing to give and uh, and to help and to guide. Go get, go get in in the middle of that, right? And 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 find your find your people, find your community, and and just don't don't give up and and be kind to yourself. I think those are the important things because so many times when you're in a place where you feel like you fell, you're like, well, that's it, like. I'm not going to get another opportunity. I really blew this one. And that's not true. You know, you're going to have all the opportunities you want. Um, Just, just, you know, stick with it. I think, well, the thing that's not said enough about people who are successful is people talk about success all the time. They're like, well, I do this. And you see posts on like Twitter LinkedIn about everything my freelance did as a freelancer, everything my agency did. And like all these wins and we worked with these giant clients They don't don't tell you about the times they sit under their desk crying and and just completely upset because they had failed. They don't talk about the failures very much, right? There's lots of them. There's uh, people have them. You have them. I had them. You Mm -hmm. take those L's. You're going to take them. And I think so many times, especially in like a very like technical world, you think like, yeah, I can go tackle. There's some people who are, eidetic memories or like photograph them and they remember everything they're like incredible they just iq out of this world and they pick it up real quick sure but like it's hard-earned like what you learn is hard-earned right like you you learn that that doesn't work because it didn't work for you and you you miss the client deadline you learn you know all of the, you learn about dns propagation and how long that takes and I, i'm Well, I better give it a week lead time to know that they got to set these things. They turn their time to live down. They need, if there's all these things in a migration that you figure out, like, no, I didn't leave time for myself to clean this data and do all of these, like, those are all hard earned, hard won pieces of knowledge. And the beautiful thing is you can learn a lot of it on the internet and by reading and putting yourself out there, but also by just building that community. And I think everybody needs to do two things, in my opinion. Which is one, you need a brag sheet. You need some sort of sheet where you write down every win. Like what are the things people send you thank you notes or like messages about how you helped them or, or a client says something good about you where you put it down. Like you're searching for promotion in your own business or whatever, like put it down, mark it down. You need you need those to draw upon, right? So I think like that's the other thing. But I think, and the second thing is you you really need people around you who who can build you up when you know you feel like you're like man i just need to go vent to somebody or i need some you know uh you need somebody who's been there or who's willing to listen and so just search this like if you don't have that person that's okay like life is weird but you can find somebody right like there are plenty of people in this community who are willing to listen and so i think like those are two things you have to do is really build into yourself and mark your wins or else you'll forget them, right? Because there are times if you're looking back, you're like, Oh, I forgot I did that. That's like, I don't know if you've ever found a piece of work you do. You're like, God, I really like this. Why, do I, why don't I talk about this work more? You know, like yeah. you stumble across something, like put that in a place where you can go find it when you need it, you know? And then, and then find a friend who who is going to be there. Like when you have that, when you take that loss, who's going to tell you like they need to help put it in perspective. They don't need to fix your life. Right. But they, to help you find perspective, because at the end of the day, and to encourage you to keep going, at the end of the day, like everything's hard won and through experience and and uh, don't give up in the middle of it. The last thing, uh, when I used to hire people in support at Webflow, because I hired a lot of people, and you would like see people come on and work at Webflow, and there's like this... Joy at being at Webflow, like when they first start, and then like they start learning all of the things, and it's like drinking from a fire hose. And people are like, Mm. Oh my gosh, am I in over my head? You know, and then they Mm. hit that point with like, Okay, here we go. I'm starting to understand some of it. You start to do the work, and then you're like, Oh my gosh, they might as well fire me. And like, I cannot do this, you know, and like, they're, I can't, it's like there's like a 90 day or 120 day mark where a lot of people in that role are like, I'm not, I don't think I'm qualified to do this, you know. And you have to push past that. Like you are, you can do it, right? It's like understanding that those aren't your defining moments in the ways that you think they are, the defining moments in that, like that's when you decided to like get back up and keep going, not in the like, that's the defining moment where like, it's over for you, right? So I think, I think those are important things and find, you know, you don't like helping other people sell a thousand widgets. That's okay. You know, find the projects that find your passion projects, find a brand you really want to work with that you'll do it for nothing just because the brand is cool or, you know, find a nonprofit. That's what I do. At least one of those every year, like find a nonprofit that's doing cool work and build cool stuff for like, go make a difference, go do something right. Like stay grounded and, and don't quit.
1: You know, I think that's important. That is all of that was
0: such valuable advice. And I really I, I know that people are going to listen to that and and really, really appreciate that because I was sitting here just soaking it all in for my <laughs> own self. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I think that's a, a beautiful note to end on. I thank you so much for sitting with me and talking to me and, and giving me so much of your life. Oh, I, yeah. I appreciate it so much.
2: Yeah. Thanks for the interview and the really thoughtful questions and approach. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun.
0: I, I can't thank you enough. And, and, and I just really hope this is just goodbye until next time.
1: That's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, if
2: you uh, DM me on Twitter or uh, Ben at webflow.com, mm-hmm.
1: you know, if you've ever got uh, that part doesn't go, hopefully in public, but uh, you know, if you,